let's do a little recap of Jonah. Um, first of all, if you recall, Jonah means the dove, and he is the son of Amittai, which means the son of faithfulness. Uh, but Jonah actually flies unfaithfully away from God's call, kind of like Tom Brady yesterday. Um, <laughs> sorry, too soon for anybody? Uh, too soon, thank you. All right. Uh, he flies rather into the sea and is swallowed by a great fish. And then at the end of chapter 2, he actually flies out of the mouth of that great fish, actually vomited out of that mouth that great fish, and the text says that he was vomited onto dry land. It's interesting that that phrase dry land is used um, because as an Israelite reader who was reading this, that should have brought to mind for you another previous story about dry land, right? About Israelites who walked through the water on dry land to reach the land on the other side. And so in that way, this is very reminiscent of that Exodus story too as well as Jonah is exited out of the mouth of the going through the water and exit out of the mouth of the fish onto dry land. Um, let's go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to pop those open or if you've got it on your phone. Jonah chapter 3, it's a short chapter. Let's go ahead and just read this together. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The second, read together, that means all of us. All right, let's start again. All right. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way, and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. All right. Um, so in reading through Jonah 3, um, and actually not just in Jonah 3, but we see this elsewhere in Jonah, this uh, interesting uh, phrase, arise, go, and call out. We saw this 
right here in verse 1 of chapter 3, God's called to Jonah to rise, go and call out, which actually is a parallel of Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, where he gives the exact same command, arise, go, and call out. What's interesting, though, is we see that Jonah in verse 3 does arise, but he goes and he flees from God. That same word used, arise. Uh, Verse 6, then, very fascinating, we see that the captain, right, of the boat, the pagan captain, calls to Jonah, there we go, right, to arise from his sleep and to call out to his God. Again, that phrase gets used again and again and again. And then back to chapter 3, we see that actually Jonah finally does what God calls him to do, and he rises and he goes to Nineveh and he calls out to Nineveh, God's message, And then it's interesting, in verse 6, we see the king doing the exact same thing, that he rises and he goes out and he calls to his people. So this is something that when we're paying attention, we have to ask ourselves, why this repetition? Why is this going on? What's happening there? And I'm going to get that to a moment, but I want to contrast that actually with a different um, thing that's happening in Jonah. Uh, Going back to Jonah chapter 1. Uh, we see this phrase that Jonah, when he arose and he fled from God, he actually went down to Joppa. And then we read in verse 5 that he went down into the boat and he fell asleep. Now here's the interesting thing. In the Old Testament, that phrase, went down, is associated with death. And we see this progression with Jonah in chapter 1, where then he tells them to hurl into the sea. Okay? Now this is a fascinating thing about Jonah that I didn't talk about two weeks ago. Um, It's important to bring this up that when Jonah asks to be thrown into the sea, Jonah's basically saying, I would rather die than go to the Ninevites. I would rather die than go to the Ninevites. We see then that he is thrown overboard by the sailors after they pray to God, say, don't hold us against us. And then in chapter 2, he actually goes down down, down into the waters. And so we see literally this progression of Jonah going towards death. And so what's interesting is that we can uh, contrast this idea of going down with a rising and going up. We see these two different things. Going down means this idea of fleeing from God and really going into the path of death. A rising and going is, is fleeing towards God or following God and going towards a path of life. Sounds very wisdom literature-like, doesn't it? The two paths before us, right? One leads to death, one leads to life. And we see this going on. Um, Jonah, though, God has great mercy on Jonah that we see all along. The fish is actually God's mercy upon Jonah as he rescues him, as he's drowning him, right? As he's drowning in the sea. And uh, Jonah then goes through his kind of own baptismal experience. Just like the story of the Israelites going through the Red Sea, going on dry land, gets used by Paul to talk about baptism, I think we can say the same thing about Jonah, right? Going through the water and coming out on the other side, going from death into life in this regards. There's something else that we want to talk about in regards to Jonah, and that is uh, Jonah's sermon. Um, Now, you're going to look, and you're going to look at at verse 4, and you're going to say, wait a minute, Pastor, that's actually an eight-word sermon. You're saying it's a five-word sermon. Remember, this was originally written in... Thank you. And in Hebrew, it's five words. So it's Jonah's five-word sermon. I think it's actually very fascinating. Jonah has a five-word sermon, but when you look at the king, he says a lot more words to his people than Jonah does. All right? And in verse 4, Jonah says this, and we saw this in the ESV, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I actually like this translation better. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be changed. 
the Hebrew word there that gets interpreted as overthrown can also be used as changed. And I like that word because it allows for some ambiguity of what's going to happen. What's going to happen? What's going to change? Because guess what? Change did occur. And we saw this, first and foremost, by the way, uh, it wasn't the change that, that Jonah was hoping for. And you're going to see this next week that Jonah gets angry. He gets PO'd by the fact that uh, uh, destruction and judgment doesn't come upon Nineveh. Okay? That's the change he was hoping for, that God would bring his judgment. Rather, the change we see in verse 5 is the people believe in God. Right? They believed Jonah's little five-word sermon, and they repented, and they put on, 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 were fasting, and they put on sackcloth. And then in verse 6, the king changes. He literally changes. He takes off his clothes and puts on sackcloth, and he too also repents. And then in verse 10, when God sees that their mind is changed, he too decides to relent or change and not bring judgment upon them, but rather mercy. We also have to see that there's a very interesting kind of ironic thing happening in the text here. Um, in verse 1, we'll notice that Jonah is not called the son of Amittai. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1 is really a parallel of chapter 1, verse 1, where Jonah is referred to as Jonah, the son of Amittai. Remember, Amittai means son of faithfulness. And I think this is important. Something that we need to pay attention to is why is it that God's not calling him that at this point? Because in verse 5, that same root Hebrew word for faithfulness gets applied to the Ninevites. They're the faithful ones. They're the ones that believed Jonah's message and repented and came to faith in God. Just like those pagan sailors in chapter 1 believed the message of Jonah and repented and came to faith in God. Right? We see this irony going on that Jonah, who is, who is a believer in Yahweh, he's the stubborn one, right? He's the one that is supposed to be faithful, and he's not faithful to his call, but rather it's the pagans that he goes to that are faithful in turn in regards to Jonah's call uh, and, the God, and the word of God. We also see, by the way, that even the animals are more responsive to God's call than Jonah is. Even the animals, which makes you wonder who really is the stubborn ass in this story. Um... All this, though, brings us up to, I think, some closing comments that I want us to think on. Um, and one of the things I, I want to point out is that hopefully all along that you've seen Jonah as a mirror in your life, because that's the way that I think Jonah was intended for us to read and ask some questions of ourselves. Um, I'm going to show you a quote here. This actually comes from an atheist. This comes from Penn Jillette. It was a number of years ago. He made some comments about Christians who don't witness or evangelize. Um, and what he says are pretty scathing, but I think it also it has a bearing on Jonah. Uh, he said this, How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? That's Jonah. That's Jonah T.T. right there. He hated the Ninevites. He didn't want to go to the Ninevites. Rather, rather, remember, he wanted to be cast in the sea. He'd rather die than have to go to them and tell them about this message from God. And we're going to find out why in chapter 4. 
And it's going to blow your mind, and you might already know that already. And anytime I read Jonah, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That, that was, was Jonah's reason for why he wanted to escape. He didn't want them to repent. Again, Jonah is really meant to be a mirror for us. Have you ever thought about your own life? Have you ever thought about the people that enter around you? Are there people that you think don't deserve hearing about God's grace and mercy? And maybe you're quick to say, no, not really. The people around me, I think, are. Okay, let's widen that circle out. When you look at the news and you see what's happening in the world around you, do you look and you see people there that you're just like, there's no way. There's just no way. Terrorists. Right? Maybe child molesters, rapists, murderers. Maybe those, those major scam artists, right? People who just seem to prey on the weak and the young, right? Do we have a tendency to look at them and saying, no, uh-uh, they don't deserve God's grace and mercy? See, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we do that. We're, we're not any better than Jonah in that regard. And we might say, well, wait a minute, but I'm not like those people. Okay, you actually may not be in prison or on FBI wanted lists and those kinds of things, but guess what? You break the same laws. We all break the same laws. We may not get in prison for the laws that we break, but we still break them. This is reminiscent of what Paul says in Romans, right? No one's righteous, no, not one. Right? None of us are righteous. All of us need the mercy and grace of God. That same mercy and grace of God that Jonah was to bring to the Ninevites, Jonah needed himself. Just like you and I need. That's the reason for the call that we had to go out, right, and share our faith is because of that grace and that mercy. It's out of that tremendous love of God in our life that we want to be able to share that love with other people as ones who are forgiven, right? Despite who you are, what you've done, how far you've strayed, right? God still has died for you in Christ Jesus. God still loves you. His forgiveness and grace is still for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great mercy. The mercy that you showed to Nineveh. The same mercy that you showed to stubborn Jonah the same mercy that you show to us through the cross of Jesus. Lord God, continue to humble us through, our, through your word and continue to restore us through your word. Convict us of the sins that we've done and tell us of the forgiveness that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.